Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick, and guess what? You guys are listening to The Jim Bob Show. Hey, this is Wayne Larrabee, and you're listening to Roar on WGN. Hey, this is Jim McMahon, and you're listening to The Jim Bob Show. I had to pop a beer for this one. Hello, boy. Yeah. Hey, this is Brian Urlacher, and you're listening to The Jim Bob Show. That's awesome. Oh, that's it. How about one? This is Brian Urlacher. I'm not a bitch. <laughs> no. That's <laughs> you love that one. <laughs> I grew up in the Bridgeport community, which is four or five miles from Soldier's Field. My father owned a tavern on the south side, all about sports. My first game was Soldier Field in 1971 on the 50-yard line on a sunny Sunday afternoon. I remember like it was yesterday. And that's where it all started. I was 11 years old. It is the weekend. It is time for the Jim Bob Show Game Day Edition here on WGN and great stations around the country. And Jim Bob, you know, the Bears, We let's just be realistic. You know, they don't always win. They don't always have a... They won three times last year. Right. So three times, right. But the one thing you can win every single week is the tailgate, is the pregame, and a guy that is absolutely undefeated. Winner, winner. For going on 40 years is the guy that drives the driving force, if you will, of Dubus, Tim Shanley. Tim, welcome to the show. Well, thank you guys very much. What a great what a great way to start the show. Ultimate compliments. Hey, thank you, hey I'm thank you. so glad to have you. Is it, you know, I was reading about you and you're like in Hall of Fame super fan <laughs> stuff. And I mean, he was in this fan Hall of Fame and this one. And, and we had Erlacher on the show a while back and, and I was teasing Erlacher. I go, you know, hey man, you're in this Hall of Fame in high school, you know, Mexico, New Mexico, college, you know, you know, NFL, Chicago. I mean, is there any Hall of Fame you're not in? I mean, are you in the pickleball Hall of Fame? And Erlacher goes, Listen, dude, if I played, I'd be in it. So, I mean, so tell us about, tell us about how do you get the accolades of being in a Hall of Fame fan? Well, there's so many different angles out there, right? And there's different contests and things like that that go on. So there are little twists and turns in there. But the whole idea here is basically what they read, no matter which direction it takes and how you're labeled out here. It's all about the passion. It has to be real or it doesn't really get thrown out and portrayed correctly. And, you know, you guys in the media do a great job. You're able to feel the passion versus trying to manufacture something. In regards to that, did you grow up, I mean, your whole life, your whole life, were you a Bears fan? Well, I grew up in the Bridgeport community, which is four or five miles from Soldier's Field. My father owned a tavern on the south side, all about sports. My first game was Soldier Field in 1971 on the 50-yard line. On a sunny Sunday afternoon, I remember like it was yesterday, and that's where it all started. I was eleven years old. So you that's know? The, you know. And so you answered there. that question, and the, and you also answered your your childhood memory. So what were you like eleven? How old were you when you your first? Yeah, yeah, I was eleven years old, seventy one. You know, my dad's taking me to fall day, sunny, crisp fall afternoon, and being a kid, I just remember that it was surreal because it was so quiet. I mean. When I mean quiet, you used to TV, you see a certain brand on television, then you go there and, and that's all I'm missing. I just remember sitting out there and I could hear where we're actually in Mayor Bailey's seats on the 50 yard line. My father had connections, I guess. And well, I, I guess so. And, yeah, <laughs> Don't mess with it. There's this subtle, subtle, <laughs> subtleness there. Connections, Don't mess with it. I guess. Sure. Right. Yeah, I just remember the plaque being on the wall in front of us said Richard J, you know, Richard Amler J, whichever the old, the old man was, you know, the father. And, uh, so I could hear the crunching of the pads, like, you know, buckets out there. I remember that. I could actually hear the, the pounding of the pads out there, you know. I remember like it was yesterday. And that, 
kind of took off from there. You know, I became a very big fan in a few years on then. That's when everything else started to grow from there. Was there, your dad yeah. a big fan as well? I mean, he had to be pretty big. I mean, he oh, yeah. Had, yeah, he was huge. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, sports bar, you know, sports bar south side of Chicago. There's a bar. There's a church and a bar on every corner in that, in that community back in the day like that. And uh, that's what they say, right? So, you know, he had the bars big in the sports. I mean, he had me to the Hawks games. I would bring my glove, my baseball glove to catch hockey pucks. Wrigley Field, not White Sox, even though we're from Bridgeport. Sorry, everybody. But, uh, yeah, so sports was a big part of our lives together. Football really resonated with me out of all of it. Well, you know, one thing you love about that Sunday, football Sunday, it is, it's a religion, it's an institution. In America, it's the number one sport, right? The Super Bowl is a national holiday. It isn't just a championship for a specific sport. And one thing that you want to do with your NFL Sunday is you want to make it last, right? You want to extend it. So at what point did you go from a kid watching it on TV and occasionally sitting in Mayor Daly's seats, right? at the 50-yard line at Soldier yeah. Field and decide, hey, you know what, let's yeah. get let's get this party started early. Hey, let's do a tailgate. Dane, not, yeah. not only that, here's a guy who's got more internet swag than 90% of guys who actually played in the NFL. I mean, you can read about, more about Tim than you can 90% yeah. of the guys who played. So where did it start on the tailgate? Were you first like doing, where other kids well, are like doing lemonade stands? Were you doing tailgates out front as a kid? You know, Again, you know, it was a, this natural, just this progression. So being from Bridgeport, we went, you know, this is the old days on Old Lakeshore Drive. They set these green houses there. You know, the parking lot was on the east side of Soldier's Field. And, you know, this is way before any kind of uh, renovations were done. And we would just saunter by, and every time the Bears won, this guy had a sticker he would stick on your chest that said Bears won turned out that he worked for the Tribune. The Tribune had their thing back in the day when the Bears won. They put the sticker on the front of the newspaper. That's how it started. I started getting stuck by sticker, man. Went to their tailgate from the Bridgeport area with all the great Italian bellies out there. I would bring Italian sausage and they would grill it. And then slowly but surely, it just naturally progressed into where we had to move on from there. We ended up in the, right next to the Shadows of Soldier Field tailgating. There were some friends that helped us out back in the day, you know with the connections there, and we just started to grow from there. The entertainment sector came in to play because of what my, you know, what my dad who passed away, by the way, when I was 16. So his influence and his style, because being a bar owner, he would always, the grill would be going as an entertainer. So it was kind of a natural thing for me to do that. You kind of just picked up and on it from him. You just carried the torch. Yeah, and it just carried, and it carried over, and it turned into this. Like this. I had no plan. Do you think that you picking up the torch from your dad, and do you think he'd be looking down and going, hey, that was cool. I would have done that. That was a good job. I mean, <laughs> no, seriously, oh, Tim. Like, oh, what would yeah. your dad have thought? Oh, hell yeah. 100%. Yeah. You know, I, uh, when I'm out there sometimes, I look around what it is we built at the Chicago Bears tailgate. I look up like, you know. What do you think about that? You're an inspiration yeah. for a lot of, ta- you know, for a lot of fans, I guarantee right? you, too, though. Here, your dad's looking down at you and going, good job, buddy. Good job. Are you really- Go ahead, Dane. Think about this, Tim. It's like you're inspiring just as your dad inspired you. And, of course, you had the initiative to go ahead and, and with the tailgate club. And people see that because it isn't just him there with, you know, celebrating in his Bears jersey with a grill. You've got the bus, right? So you've got the the premium mode of transportation for Bears fans. Talk a little bit about, like, was that the idea? Like, hey, I need a vehicle for this? Or did somehow someone, like, did you see the bus and you're like, we need to be together? The bus came from 
Bridgeport, my neighborhood. When we tailgated on the east side of Soldier, there were some uh, some of Chicago's finest that owned it. They're a generation ahead of me, older than me. And uh, we were literally front row. We were first one, and they're about eighth in line, you know, right on the front row. That's how we go and say hello. And one day, uh, Ralph White, he's just like, hey, man, jingled the keys in front of me. He goes, we're kind of done. Do you want the bus? So I took He just gave it to me. Yeah. Had no transmission, no. I mean, you thought I, that's when I got the vision. Is when I was handed the keys to the spot. It was next to. The, it was basically in the junkyard. It was on its last leg, and I'm just. That's when I started to gather a vision of what it is I had in mind of what I wanted to do by using that vehicle. You're right by using that vehicle as a tool to get a little bigger, become a little stronger, put my mark on this a little more. And that wasn't anything to be labeled a super fan. None of that was there. It was just the passion and it was like a perfect match. I know it so, wasn't intentional because you're no. just passion and so forth, but did it help your business? I mean, you, you are, I mean, we talked about it off, offline a little bit ago. You're, you're a professional plumber. Did the things yeah. you were doing as a super fan, did, any way did that come in later on and impact your business? Not at all. Not in any, in any way whatsoever. Two different person, personas like, you know, what, to me, from the bus is like, uh, it's become like a character, we'll say, like a second person, like an alter ego is what it is, okay? Um, there's, there's a certain image that goes with that, and not that I'm uh, stretching my personal moral standards by any means. You, I am who I am, but I know that that's become something that people really look at in a different light. It's like two separate worlds. So, Tim, think about this. So you know, People will see you on-site at, uh, at Soldier Field, maybe at other stadiums. Yeah. We'll talk about some tailgates around the country as well. But also, they see on TV, right, You know, carrying the torch for the Bears, yeah. carrying the torch for tailgating. You've been on uh, Tailgate Warriors with the Food Network, a few different shows with the Food Network. You're kind of a star. Oh, yeah, man. You know, again... Everything falls into place. So in 2009, we were the champions with Tailgate Wars with Guy Fieri. 2010, we were runner-up out in Frisco. And then just this past year, uh, in October, we filmed out in New England. And they, and uh, that was for Tailgate Takedown, a new series. So, you know, it's been over a 12-year span, 15-year span. It's my third appearance there. Again, that all came from basically like, where I don't any like an intentional thing, the image of everything. Once the natural progression kind of hit the wall i would say i knew that i had to go out there a little more and reach out and become this persona and that's all tied in that's that's the success that that brought how about this so you know you you've moved from chicago bridgeport to to austin basically but your, your former game day routine take us through when you lived here what that routine is and then take us through your routine today which is i gotta get on sure. a plane i gotta fly in here i gotta get to yeah. i gotta get the day so this is because here's the deal people don't understand this is super fan excellence in regards to dedication this guy comes and flies in for, to, for the games the home games and he used to live here bridgeport was only like you said a few miles away that was the easy route let's Let's go back and talk about those routines and then talk about today's complex routine. Absolutely. That's a great question because back when I was living there, I kind of was just doing everything by myself, all by myself. I didn't ask for any help. I didn't need anybody in there to help me. I kind of tackled this whole world by myself. So the stress, everything, which led to shopping. Okay, I'm going to go hit those big like uh, depots and things like that. And I'm stocked up with two or three crates of stuff. Literally, we're getting a ton of charcoal, you know, all of it from going out to shop, then going and prepping all the food and getting it ready and stored, then getting it onto the bus, then being in line with the 
with the park district and that whole mess with tailgating, that, that, that's why we're on our own out there, you know, dealing with that stress, then being able to pull that off, then do all the cooking, bring everything back, do all the cleaning and get ready again, okay? And it was a lot of work. I was always facing the grill. I was really putting in the, putting in the work. And again, it was all passion, but I really put a lot on myself. And I didn't really, it's not that I didn't have a trust factor, I didn't just have anybody to lean on. And that's when my guy, Bob, Robert Brown Barrick, he's a mechanic. The bus went down, happened to be from Bridgeport. We were match made in heaven. And he was the one who I could go out now and learn to trust. So as I moved into Austin, Texas, I had someone to lean on back here in Chicago, right? Someone I could trust, someone who allowed me to think outside the box and things like that. Very important. And uh, unfortunately, he passed away a few years back. So I lost my partner, and yeah, you know, unexpected, real quick. But so the transition was made easy because of him. But now that now we're coming here, where we're at now, present day, and you're right, this is all down to the wire. So I really kind of fly by the seat of my pants last minute on standbys and things like this, uh, last minute airline tickets because my hectic schedule, raising the family and having real life here, and then taking off for Chicago, I could leave. Friday night, first thing Saturday morning, I have uh, somebody that monitors all of our flights to let me know what flights are least crowded to give me the best chance to get in and out. They watch the weather. So I'm protected like them. I'm outside the box. I've learned to trust other people. And it's very complex because if I don't get there by Saturday afternoon, things can get done, but then the anxiety is over the top. I have to be there early, the latest is Saturday morning to go out and do just a few things now I have firewater barbecue. They do all my food and my menu. We roll a trailer out. I have somebody help me cook my recipes. So am I as hands-on with the grilling now? I'm not. I have bigger fish to fry literally now at this point. Kissing babies, shaking hands, making sure that the whole thing runs because of the growth that it happened. So uh, it's stressful on both levels. It always has been to produce and try to just make sure that everybody's had. But it has changed a lot in the way that, that the stress is there, you know? Is the uh, so on the stress side? So here's here's part of it, right? It used to be the tailgate was the was the the laid back way and an opportunity to really enjoy and kind of lead into a game that you never know what's going to happen. It could be great, could be terrible. Well, could also, be- flying today, and he he's like this. Okay, you're going to yeah. fly from Austin to Chicago, and you're not going to have added stress. Well, <laughs> well, okay, come so on, reality. So the travel side yeah. of it too. But here's the thing: is after you're on Food Network, after you're in the Hall of Fame for tailgating, when people show up there's yeah. expectations you can't just be like yes, well sir. you know i was running late i didn't really feel i wasn't feeling it this week right uh-huh. like people no ex- when they uh-huh. get to the bus they see timmy from the bus they're expecting showtime yes they are 100 percent. you know and that's what it's become so you know it's a natural for me to deliver the way everything is set up it's very smooth for me to do it but, oh, it's like a hurricane and i'm in the eye everything's moving at 100 miles an hour from the minute i leave my house to get on that airplane so the minute I'm back on that airplane, even just getting home, it is a whirlwind, ridiculous, fly by the seat of your pants. You're like a celebrity, like an entertainer. You come in and you got to be on. And then that stress, though, did you ever have a really stressful flight and you get to the game, <laughs> things late, and then the next oh thing you know, you're God. barking at people and you use a few expletives and nobody wants to come to your tailgate? <laughs> that doesn't well, happen. Uh, you know what? I hear you there. You know, but, you know, I've always, I keep it all inside because, Social media, right? Now, you know, right. I'm 63 years old. I'm a dinosaur, but I've always known one thing from the beginning of this stuff is no one wants to hear anybody's on a soapbox. That's what I think. 
the more you pound your fist, the less you get listened to out there. It become mundane. It becomes a white noise. So I leave all that behind. You know, all the behind the scenes stuff. That's part of what. That's who I am. That's what I'm dealt. I don't portray that out there. You know, keep it to myself. Nobody wants to have someone on a soapbox unless that soapbox has a 600 pound steer rotating on it. That's the soapbox I want to hear. So how did you go from this? How did you go from from some snacks and maybe a cooler beer? You know, the normal things people (laughs) explain to to a 600 pound rotating cow for a tailgate. Yeah, well, you know, we have that video there for you guys. I'm sure you've guessed what your viewers will be looking at that. So that, going back to Bob, my partner, Robert Brown Barrett, when it comes to thinking outside the box, he would just call me. We would talk. He would say, he called me Chief for some reason. Like, hey, Chief, we're going to cook 13 chickens at once. We're going to stuff them here. And then I said, okay, you know, let's do it. So he takes like a rain gutter, puts it on wheels, on casters, takes a battery-operated motor, sticks a skewer in it, puts charcoal in the gutter, now we have 13 rotating chickens going on a chicken, just like that. So then he tells me, we're going to spin a cow. I'm like, okay, because I'm going to build it. Built and designed that grill that you'll see on the video there. He built and designed this, engineered it to where that whole thing, that 500-pound cow that you see spinning there, that is on basically a small little rotisserie battery-operated motor you have in your backyard because of the way he counterweights everything. The guy's a genius, okay? He is over the top, and this is what he brought to the table for us. And again, unfortunately, about three years back, uh, you know, he just checked out real quick. You know, it was his turn to go, and it was over quick. And it's a big loss and a big void because I cannot do these things without him. So, you know, I, I, I move on and I phase into a new new area. But yeah, that cow spinner, everything we cooked on that, we donated to charity. To homeless shelters, That's to awesome. churches. That's good stuff. Every like every pound, every pound, five six hundred pound cows that we spun was donated to charity. That's that cool. video you see there, you, the, the audio on that video there. We're, we're out there. I don't know. He has us out somewhere in Illinois by some border somewhere, and we're out there. We're giving it to a church. Uh, down to the bones, a big ground down for dog food and everything. Like we're really going to be going out all out to share what we had and give to others. You know that's. That's one of the things we do out there. You've had a lot of Hall of Fame. You've had a lot of Hall of Fame NFL players on the bus. Um, Is there any one of those players that was your favorite? Wow. Oh, gosh. Let's see. That's a good question. Let me just think real quick. There's so many. Stan Jones stood out. 63. First one to sign it. That guy there. Fuck this with everything that I can't repeat on the radio. Okay, that was a good one. Think about this one too, Tim. Not only Bobby Douglas was cool, I liked him, but uh, what, yeah. did they leave anything, or did you have do you have any memorabilia from from those guys that is really something that yeah. sticks with you? Well, yeah, what I did was uh, there was a gridiron, quote things in the air on the stripes of the school bus, right, with, with end zones on each side, front and back. The front end zone were for Hall of Famers only, so they all signed. And then the regular players in the back. So we had something like 40, 40 autographs, something like that. Dixon was a good one. He was furious at me. But I would have to say, overall, my favorite player, my favorite experience was Stan Jones because we used to park the bus on the old Hilton there for the convention under the marquee on Balbo. And I would call him on the phone. I just call and ask for him. They'd answer the phone. Stan Jones, I get him downstairs. We take the photos. He's the first one to sign. And he looks at me. If I'm walking him back and there's that bar in, that, in the Hilton there, and he looks at me, he looks at the bar, and goes, 
I think I'm good right now. I don't know. You know what? I'm buying. I go in there. We're drinking gin, Bombay martinis at 11 o'clock in the morning. I have his 63 championship ring on with the Wrigley Field diamonds and diamonds, and I have his Hall of Fame ring on my fingers. And we're drunk as scums laughing it up. Right there at Kitty O'Shea's, of course. So the Bears tailgating is, is legendary, and obviously you're carrying that torch to America with uh, all the stuff on Food Network. But as we go to different places around the country, you've traveled. So what are a couple other, just one or two other, like great tailgating scenes that people who are fans of the tailgate should kind of bucket list their way and get out to? Sure. It's not only the tailgate. It's also the organization itself and what they allow for tailgating because there are heavy restrictions across the league that are basically shutting these locks down. Yep. So I got to give credit right now to the to the Houston Texans and the Blue Lot in particular. I've that been place, it. I've been to it. It's awesome. Okay. It is awesome. That is one of the best in the league, hands down. That in Kansas City, buddy. Those are two those are my two favorites. That one in Kansas City are one of the two two best. Kansas City, it's called J Lot. That's where you go in Kansas City. I have another friend. See being a tailgate Hall of Famer, these guys are in that club with me. Like we're all there out in the trenches. No doubt about it. So, yeah. obviously, Bears-Packers, a big rivalry, but anybody who fan of the NFL can respect, you know, just like Wrigley Field. You don't have to be a Cubs fan to understand that Wrigley Field is one of the great places to visit as a sports sure. fan. Of course, Lambeau Field, the tailgating up there Absolutely. is great, too. Has, has yeah. you, have you ever gone up there as just out of general respect, even though, obviously, they're your hated enemy, especially even on the – do you hate the, the Packer tailgaters the way that the Bears hate the Packers, or do you guys at least just come together in a love for tailgating in general? Well, we have a great model that we live by. We say hate the team, not the fan. Okay? That's one of the <laughs> big – it's hate the team, not the fan. Oh, so it doesn't matter team. what team okay. you're – so it doesn't matter what, what team you – who you root for. It doesn't matter what you want to wear. That's one of the big things we have in our lot being a private lot, that we welcome them in. So you have these people, like the, the cheeseheads come marching in there with all their stuff on. They don't have to worry about anything except maybe getting bored taking too many pictures. So there's no animosity, you know. That's that's just not how we play the game. I got, I got a I, question. I love Lambeau Field. I love Lambeau Field. I was there probably 11 times in a row. 13 out of 15 years prior to moving here. We would be there every year. You know, we've got some hard times. You know what? That's old school stuff. Well, no, man. listen, that, that hard times, I want to get into that, that hard times, because here's the deal. You've been a super fan, and the last, you know, I mean, you've had some hard times. And so you now you're flying in to the game Saturday, and then you're flying home. I mean, how does that affect you as far as your personality, I mean, are, are some of these losses that you have to go home to? I mean, you are a super fan. You're an entertainer with the fans, and then you're at the game, and, and you're experiencing the game, and, and you have a really rough loss. I mean, have you noticed that some of the some of the losses when you're when you're going home and you're going, Like, that one hurts. Yes, that one really hurt, and, you, oh, and I don't want to go to work yeah. tomorrow. Well, yes. I mean, I feel pain, you know. I mean, it hurts sometimes, you know. And, you know, for instance, let's just go back to Cody Parkey. Let's stop right there now before we go any further. But something like that, some of these losses to where I'm back in the airport. And what I have to do is I can't – no one cares out here what I feel about, or including my wife when yeah. I get home. They, they don't care about things They're just like, like take so the garbage out, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> like I never, so I have to – I leave it all there. Like, you know, I get to the airport. I sit down. I, like, I'll enjoy it. 
nice cold vodka soda. And, 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 and cry. You'll cry a little bit on some yes. of this stuff. Come on. You've absorb, had your moments. <laughs> yes. Absorb that pain, you know, get on the airplane and fly home. You know, everything about it is horrible. Well, like you said, there's times you don't want to be there. I'm on some flight. It's late Sunday night. I'm trying to get home. <laughs> Exhausted to wake up Monday morning to go to your work. It's very taxing. It doesn't it suck too? Like if you're on the same flight, the Cowboys came in and you're running back with them, and they're all happy, and you have to go. Oh Jesus! Give me, give me a gun, Jim. That's an excellent point, Timmy. Is there ever a time when you're flying back to some place you're going to go? You got a lot of fans from the other team. It's after a typical bears loss and where you maybe you you go incognito i'm not saying you wear like a cowboy jersey or anything but do you ever take the bear stuff off just to just to stem the pain <laughs> no he's no uh, he's no, no bitch dang like her like her tim shanley ladies and gentlemen does not take <laughs> off his bears colors when he gets no. on an airplane no. dang that's that's like no. insulting i'm embarrassed that i no, i can't even believe you asked yeah. that i'll tell you what I'll tell you what, that picture you're gonna just gonna pop up on you guys print so you're gonna see me. What I do is I travel in a bear's suit. So I have Oh that's right. I have burns orange slacks. I have a bear's blazer that has all the seeds on I've it. I've seen it. it. I saw it today. I saw it. You're yeah. your class act. Yeah. It, Tim, here's that's the how thing. I fly. Every flight, every it, flight, everywhere, every every city I go to, even if the bears aren't playing and I go see some of my brothers at in Houston or wherever I go in the country. I wear that suit. As we let you go, and we'll get information about how to get involved with sure. the, uh, the the tailgate club, all the the stuff with sure. the, the bus and and all of that kind of stuff. But I guess the satisfaction is that you play the tailgate. Everybody has a position. In, in individual stats matter, and you're undefeated. You always win the tailgate, going on forty years. And so, even if the Bears aren't victorious, you're leading by example before the game with the tailgate with the bus. So, Tim, give information on where people can get a hold of you. Obviously. I you don't have to give out the plumbing information, but get where they can get involved with the tailgate club and see you and kind of experience that Bears thing at the highest level with the bus. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we're, I'm, I'm partnered up with somebody with a company called Tail Breeder. And these guys, again, we're going to think outside the box and trust other people. They handle all of it on a QR code, all the information, the time the lot opens, what we're serving that day. All they got to do is connect to the QR code and we go from there. So That's Tim Shanley, Hall of Famer, Tailgate Hall of Famer, superstar from Food Network, and one of the Bears' biggest fans, and also undefeated 40 years on the tailgate side in the parking lot at Soldier Field and lots around the NFL. Thanks so much for everything that uh, that you're doing for the Bears for fan, and thanks for jumping on the show today. You were great, buddy. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you were thank fantastic. you very much.